2: Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk here on the Federal News Network. I am Tony Bernetti from Feds Protection. Today is Friday, June 19, 2020. And obviously, this is still a very challenging time in our country as we are still in the midst of the global health crisis with COVID 19 and with all of the more recent social unrest in the wake of George Floyd's tragic death. So, we hope that everyone out there is, is doing okay. Uh this week on Fed Talk, we're going to be discussing how to plan for your long-term care health needs with a bit of a bit of a focus on in-home health care services and home health care benefits that are available to federal employees and their families. And joining us today are our good friends from FedPoint, which is the new doing business name, doing business as name for what most of you will remember as the federal long-term care partners. And we have a new guest on for us here at FedTalk Cornerstone VNA, which is a home health care provider. So first, let me introduce my good friend, Joan Melanson from FedPoint. Joan is the Director of Education and Outreach at FedPoint, which, of course, administers the federal government's long-term care insurance program. So Joan is here to tell us all about long-term care options available to federal employees and what's new for them, like their new name. <laughs> so Joan, good morning and welcome to the show.
3: Good morning, Tony. And um, I'm here from Massachusetts. So we're all in different locations. It's a whole new uh, reality. We've all moved digitally, I guess. Right, and, uh, right. We are, we're, we're all,
2: to... we're doing these radio shows now by sheltering in place, I like to say. That's
3: right. And we're all um, in, in Zoom mode. So I right. think uh, all of our readers will, our listeners, I should say, will um, identify with that. But uh, yes, as you mentioned, and it's hot off the press. Um, since 2002, we were known as uh, LTC Partners, and uh, effective uh, right now, in fact, uh, it was uh, last week, uh, we moved to doing business as FedPoint. And the reason we've made that change is that uh, we believe that this new name and the rebranding that you'll be seeing better reflects our full suite of services and our mission, which is to provide the highest level of service to. The federal family community. And that also includes the military. Um, and uh, because we started off in 2002 exclusively doing um, long term care insurance, we're, federal, we're the federal long term care insurance program. And we've expanded. So now we offer, um, and you, many of you will know us as benefits because you use the website benefits to enroll in the 10 uh, dental and four vision plans. So um, we're FedPoint going forward, but we're the same company that you've worked with before.
2: And I want to remind everyone that FedTalk is brought to you by FedPoint. And as Joan just said, FedPoint administers the Office of Personnel Management-sponsored Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program, as well as BeneFEDS, um, which is the website for for FedBIP, panel and vision programs, all are also regulated by OPM want if you need more information please go to www.ltcfeds.com or benefeds.com, b e n e f e d s.com so we are also joined by by Julie Ronalds. Uh, Julie is the president and CEO of Cornerstone BNA. Cornerstone BNA is a nonprofit home health hospice palliative and long-term care provider. Julie is going to talk to us and give us a little bit of a bird's eye view into the world of in-home health care and really what she sees as the future trends for, for home health care. Julie, good morning and thanks for joining us today.
0: Good morning, Tony and, and Joan. It is a pleasure to be on um, with you today, particularly in what is happening in um, our healthcare systems and the needs that people have for care at home and be able to share and educate um our community that's very very important
2: julie um you're so you're you're new to us here at fed talk and in our Mm -hmm. federal community so just take a little bit of time and i guess introduce your your company to our listeners
0: so we're a nonprofit organization and we've been around for over a hundred years and we provide, originally it started um, way back in the early 1900s in caring for the less fortunate, the poor, um, managing through communicable diseases such as we're in a pandemic today and has grown over the years. So we have home care services, um, and that is typically skilled care, where um, if you're in the hospital and you need services at home, it's short-term and intermittent. There's hospice services for end-of-life care, palliative care services for symptom management prior to needing hospice services, typically patients who are oncology patients, and then our long-term care services, which are services that we provide in the home for um, to help support caregivers, whether it's a few hours a week. Or twenty
2: four hours a day. Um, just because you, you mentioned it, and it's funny, it's, you know, and I'm I'm not you know uh, embarrassed to 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 mention this. And I was just as I was preparing for the show, you know, the word palliative you know care was something new to me. So I had to come downstairs, you know, and has my wife, "You ever heard this before?" She's like, "Well, Google it." <laughs> so I had to Google it. But sort of, I guess, just tell our listeners um, maybe the difference between palliative um, kind of care and, and hospice. So
0: hospice is end of life care. So your physician gives you a six month (laughs) less prognosis and, um, you want to, um, really don't want to further your treatments, hospice would be the option for you. Palliative care is where you're still receiving treatments. You may have a life-limiting illness, uh, a chronic illness, end stage of a chronic illness, and really struggling with symptom management, pain, shortness of breath, uh, those types of symptoms. And at our organization, we actually do that palliative care in the home, which is new and upcoming. Many hospitals have palliative care programs where you go outpatient to receive that services but we send doctors and nurse practitioners into the home help those patients manage it's just like a physician um, office visit except it's in the home and they're able to manage those symptoms and coordinate care with their primary care physician
2: right so we'll probably we'll get into this a little bit more detail a little bit later in the show um so joan i just want to shift back to you and about um you know, a minute or two that we have left in this segment um, and have you just kind of you know give a, a brief overview um, of the federal long term care program um, in the federal government. Who's eligible? Um, just some basics.
3: Oh, certainly. The federal long term care insurance program was designed, as I mentioned, in 2002 for federal family members and the military. So um, what that means is the employee or the, the active military person plus spouses, retirees. Um, their um, uh, spouses or partners and family members are all eligible for this program. Um, it is designed to um, uh, for chronic care, not acute care, and the difference is uh, acute care, think of it, you go to the hospital, they patch you up, you come home. Chronic care is when you're not getting better, where you need assistance with uh, activities of daily living, um, uh, eating, bathing, dressing, and so forth. Um, and We'll be talking uh, about that today, particularly in the home healthcare side, because when we started, nursing homes were synonymous with long-term care. But now, as it turns out, most care um, is is at home. Aging in place is where people want to be. And in fact, less than 8% of our claims are paid in a nursing home. So buy this product to stay at home, age in place. That's where you want to be. You want to be surrounded by uh, your family. And we'll talk about the um, kind of home health care that we provide in our product. And then Julie will talk about what it really looks like from the practical perspective.
2: You're listening to Fed Talk on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Joe Melanson from FedPoint and Julie Reynolds from Cornerstone VNA. We'll continue our discussion about long-term care health needs after this break Welcome back to Fed Talk on the Federal News Network. I'm Tony Bernetti, and I'm talking with Joan Melanson from FedPoint and Julia Reynolds from Cornerstone VNA. Both guests are sharing helpful information about long term care health needs for federal employees. Now, Joan, um, before we took our break, you were introducing your, your program to our, to our listeners. Um, but I do know that you, you, introdu- you introduced a new um, insurance product last fall, a long term care insurance product last fall. So I wanted to check in. It's been a year later. I wanted to just check in, um, see how that's going and how the product has been received in the federal community.
3: Well, as you know, Tony, I'm very excited about the new product. Um, it's called, we have very creative name 3.0. So we had felt up 1.0 2.0 and now we're in 3.0. So, um, What's interesting? It, it has the benefits, all the wonderful benefits that we started off in 1.0 and 2.0. And those have a track record and they're tried and, and true. But um, and and I and we will get into the 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 uh, the whole piece of this program, which is the home health care component, which is is the showcase uh, part of our product. But we've added a few additional consumer protection features and and. Those were in response to the kinds of things we heard from working with all of you. And if, you, if you've had your ears um, tuned into long-term care, there are issues of rate stability. Why are the rates going up all the time and we don't know how how much they might be going up? How, how do you expect us to plan for that? Affordability issues. And also we get the same uh, question, and I don't know why because it is insurance, but what if I pay in all these years because the average age is about 50, because you have to be young enough to be able to pass um, underwriting, you have to answer medical questions. Um, but you don't use it until uh, late 70s. Now our, our average age is 82. So, you know, you're paying in for a lot of years. And what if I never use it? So um, we uh, came out with some um, innovative uh, Features that we wanted to test out to see how they were received because it's something very new in the market. So you want to know how it's going. Right.
2: Well, what? what but so <laughs> let me just take a step back. So, so one of the things I want to comment on. Um, I was startled by the age eighty-two average, um, but the long-term care in general is still, from as far as insurance is concerned, is still a relatively kind of new product, and that's part of the reason why. There are these rate issues. No, they don't. Yes, they it, aren't it really, is. actuaries aren't really sure how to how to target certain things, and you know it's kind of an evolving process, and that's kind of what you guys were involved in, you know, trying to come up with a new product that can, you know, I guess respond to that and more, you know, actively address those issues and concerns. Correct.
3: Well, if you think about it, I mean, medical advances are 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 happening so fast. It used to be that you died of a heart attack. Now you patch someone up and you're out of the hospital in a couple of days and you, you clock along and, and so things are changing all all the time and and we're seeing a lot more in, in terms of alzheimer's and people living for a long time um needing help with activities of daily living but they don't need medical help so there are a lot of changes going on um, out there and then we've had some very other uh startling things uh we've had a uh an economy that, that is just, I mean, the low interest rates for so long, we, we haven't experienced anything like that before. That dramatically impacts uh, the rate. So we had to come up with something. What can we do to insulate our enrollees from these dramatic rate increases? Because it's level, you pay the same amount every year and then you get, a, you get an increase and then it's level. You don't know how much the rate increase is going to be and when it's going to hit. So we came up with something called premium stabilization feature and think of this as a shock absorber when you're in your car you can't avoid a bumpy road you're gonna hit the bumps and so with these kinds of things happening in the environment with um with uh morbidity all over the the board, you know you don't know how long people are going to live it changes all the time um, and, you, and you have interest rates, you have things in the environment, COVID for example, that are uncontrollable. How do you um, reduce those bumps in, in the increases with the product? And this premium stabilization feature is an adjustable amount that's calculated as amount of premium that you've paid in. So you've got kind of a, a, uh, this, this premium that will, that will move up and down so that we don't have to change rates. This it can absorb the bumps in the road. And and so it 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 helps have that stabilization um, that we've been everyone's been looking for. And it also it does one, it does two other things. If you um, when you hit age 85 and you've been in the program for 10 years, you can use a portion of it to pay the premiums, which helps with affordability when you get older. And the third thing that it does is that um if when you die you can designate what's left in that fund and give it as a premium benefit to to a beneficiary or to an estate so we try to address those um the issues out in the marketplace. And right. so that's, that's well, what I, j- I just it. think
2: that the rate, you know, the rate stability, I mean, you know, the, you know, when your company had its, you know, last, you know, rate increase, you know, it was, it was not met well in, in the federal employee community. Oh, that was an experience I would
3: not most, like to re-live. Most
2: folks, they just didn't understand it, but, but I certainly understand their perspective. And, and when, when we think about when you're, when you're planning for retirement and things like that, you know, you're, you're, you're on the fixed costs and things like that. And you want to have some expectation as to what your rates are going to be long-term, you know, for, for this product. So I think that's huge in the new product. And then two, um, the, the flexibility to be able to use it for other things, um, you know, later in life, if you haven't used it yet and it kind of, you know, makes people, I don't know, just feel me like if it were me, you know, it's like, look, it's it's there just in case I need it, but if I don't need it, I'll be able to use it for this X, Y, Z. Um, so I just think it makes it that much more of a of a better but, product.
3: Tony, important thing to note that I do want to make sure that everybody knows is that you don't buy the product for that the consumer protection feature. Think think of it as the premium stabilization feature protects the 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 benefits that you have purchased. That's the important thing to think about. So uh, it just just adds to it. Go ahead, I'm sorry.
0: Joan, I just wanted to put in um, some perspective without this product, if someone, um, you wanna stay at home and you have a spouse that is not able to care for you, or you have a daughter, a son that is caring for you, but they have to go to work. If someone's to pay for services privately, at this point, it's on average $30 an hour in the New England area, depending on what area in the country you're from. It c- it's it's higher in some parts of the country. So it's very, very expensive for paying um, for service, long-term care services out, out of pocket. It
3: and is- Julie, you're right. I have so We have so many people who say to us, oh this insurance is so expensive. But what you indicated is very important. The cost of care is extremely expensive. Right. And you have to balance it out do you pay now and and a little bit all the time until you you hit the age if and when you ever use it or do you pay later and the the balancing of that is what we don't sometimes people unless they've been through the experience those are the people who come over and say oh my god it's
0: so expensive right and when we get older um people tend to be more frugal and they don't want, they, they get nervous about spending their money. They may have, even if they have a little, they're not wanting to spend there. So there's oftentimes conflict um, in safety of people at home and care needs of people at home. So having dealt with that all your life and then um, not have to worry about those large amounts of money that you may have to put out for private services.
2: Right, and you're also helping, obviously, your loved ones as well. I, I you know, wow. I, I've done multiple shows with Joan, and she's heard me, you know, tell this story. You know, years ago, my mom came into me and put something down in front of me and said, "I, <laughs> I gave you the best gift ever." I'm like, "Yeah, what's that?" And she's like, I fought a long-term care policy, um, you know, for herself. Um, you know, so so that is the other piece of it is is you are helping the ones out that are you know going to have to be there.
0: Right, um, most of us do not, not want to. Bur- Most of us do not wanna burden our children at all. Um, So so as we get older, people would choose to be not safe and not get the care needs because they just don't wanna bother their children.
3: Or their spouse or their other family member. I mean, I would view it and I always say long-term care and just the the topic of long-term care, forget about the the piece of it, it's insurance, the the piece that pays for it. I call it long-term care is a family affair. Because you're just not going to leave somebody. Somebody's going to step up and do something. And you want to help whoever that is with some of the, not only the costs, people I think forget that it's more than costs. It's the care coordinators in our company that help guide you through the decision-making process to make sure your the care that you select matches your needs. And I think that's important.
2: So... So you launched this product last year. So how, so just generally, how has it been received? Well,
3: very well and surprisingly well, because I thought, quite frankly, when, when uh, COVID hit and we all went into shock and everybody retreated and I thought, Oh, nothing's going to happen. It's like the world is just coming to a, to an end. And I've been uh, very surprised that um People have been interested in this product and their people have more time. They're not commuting. They're not as I call it, glamming up in the morning. They're not, um, uh, they're, they, um, they're at home and they're working. Some people are working, some people aren't. And those people have time too, to read. And they're, they're, they're taking stock of the things that they never got around to doing before. And I think long-term care is one of the things that has been on people's mind, but it isn't the sort of thing they get all excited about. It's like, oh, today I'm gonna look at this product. And I'm going to apply for it. We have had the applications coming in for that reason. I've been surprised. W- the interest is high because everything's digital and we can track all of that as well as the applications coming in the door. So um, do, you you see any,
2: do you see any nexus, you know, I get all that you're saying, you know, I run an insurance company. And it's the same thing for us. We initially, you know, stalled a bit, but since a lot of people might have more time to focus on these things you know, they didn't focus on before, you know, we're seeing a big uptick um, in business as well. But do you see for the, for the long-term care health, you know, industry focused, I mean, don't you see some nexus to what's going on with the pandemic and things and people really thinking about, you know, more long-term their, their healthcare needs?
3: I, I think you're right on that. And I think they're, they're at this point, the um, long-term care facilities are getting a bit of a black eye with everything going on and maybe people are re- reevaluating and saying, gee, having my loved ones at home is a smarter decision. And if I have the, the, the funds to pay for that, and as I said before, clearly people are talking with their wallets with their and they are, um, they, uh, less than 8% of our claims are being paid out for, for a care in a nursing home. They want people to, their, their family members and friends to be close by. And the, the money that you use can take care of not only care for um, working with a licensed healthcare facility like Cornerstone, but you can use some of those funds for uh, what we call informal care, where you can have family members and friends coming in and taking care of you and you can pay them and we'll, we'll pay for caregiver training and we pay for other support types of things to, to really facilitate people staying in their homes, which is where people want to be.
2: And in my experience, that's a pretty unique component, being able to use family members that don't live in the home. That's a pretty unique um, component it to is. your policy as opposed to any of the other ones that are out there in the market. Is that correct?
3: Absolutely. And I give OPM all the credit for that back in.
2: <laughs> they, appreciate, they appreciate all that credit.
3: <laughs> they, they came up with that. And and it's, it's 500 days of care that you can do. And people utilize it. They utilize it because they want family members and friends People they know from church, they come in and they've been very pleased with it. And um, it's, it's worked out well. And that doesn't mean that you don't have licensed care, too. It's a combination of care that, that, that works for people. And, 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 and families need to decide what, what works with the support system that we have here. How can we best utilize that pool of money that we purchased?
2: Right. So I want to I remind our, our listeners that they want to get more information on your program, that they can go to ltcfeds.com. Or they can certainly call your 800 number and talk to some certified consultants, not insurance agents. Certified. They're
3: not. They're not paid on commission, they're, and
2: they're, they. They're, they're, they're there are. to help you with with information, and that's 800 LTC Feds. That's 800 LTC Feds. You're on Fed Talk, and we are discussing home health care for federal employees with Joe Melanson from FedPoint and Julie Reynolds from Cornerstone VNA. We have to stop here for our second break, and this word from our sponsor.
1: Shaw, Bransford, and Roth.
0: One team working all three branches.
1: Judicial, legislative, executive. Judicial. sb employment attorneys offer specialized legal representation for federal managers. Legislative. Lobbyists in government and public affairs
0: advocating for corporate clients.
1: Executive.
0: Produces two free weekly newsletters, Fed manager and Fed agent.
1: Shaw, Bransford, and Roth is your one destination for all three branches of government.
0: Online at shawbransford.com. sb client-focused, results-driven.
1: Welcome
2: back to Fed Talk on the Federal News Network. I'm Tony Bernetti, and I'm talking with Joan Melanson from FedPoint and Julia Reynolds from Cornerstone VNA about long-term care needs of federal employees. Julie, I'd like to um, shift to you now, as our sort of. We want to talk a little bit about um, in-home healthcare and what that means, and you're, of course, our, our expert on that. So maybe if you can kind of create a picture for our listeners and tell us what does it look like. When help comes, comes into the home, I think most of us, are, you know, you know, over the years, know what a retirement, you know, healthcare situation looks like, or assisted living, and things like that. But, but how does it look like when they when they come in your home?
0: So typically, um, what happens? I'll, I'll give you kind of an example of. Uh, Someone that maybe had a stroke. So you're you're aging, life is going well, you and your spouse are maybe traveling, enjoying your retirement, and all of a sudden one of you have a stroke. You go into the hospital, um, you might have some um, left or right sided weakness, some speech issues, some cognitive issues, memory issues, trouble having um, needing some therapy. So you might go into a rehab center for a few weeks then go home with some skilled care, um, with some PT, speech therapy, occupational therapy, a nurse to monitor you in the home as you get through the acute phase of your illness. Then everything kind of settles down. And then all of a sudden, you, know, you and your spouse, you've always talked about, again, if I can just sidebar, advanced directives are so important, knowing what each other wants and what it looks like if you do get sick. So you and your spouse or, or your uh, loved one that cares for you had made the decision that li- staying home is what you want to do. So now you want to age in place in your home and you have a, a, a medical condition and you need care. You need help with bathing. Uh, you may need help with turns transferring in and out of the bed, ambulating, help in and out of the car. And you may need someone with you 24 hours a day or maybe for several hours out of the day, um, depending on your condition. So typically you will need some long-term care um, need, have some long-term care needs, which typically is a nurse's aid. So uh, a referral, Joan had mentioned, it either can be informal. Uh, through the insurance or a formal. So from a fr- formal perspective, a referral is made to a cornerstone VNA. We um, introduce a specific nurse's aid that will go into the home, depending on the frequency and the needs that you need it. You may need someone just a couple hours a day to help um, with the personal care. Maybe your spouse does not have the strength or ability to do the bathing and the transfers. Uh, maybe just, maybe may be someone coming in twice a day, or your loved one may be working, you may need someone eight to 10 hours a day. And so that person will come into the home, do your bathing, do your meals, um, um, do your exercises with you, have conversations, um, do um, that socialization games, read you the newspaper, whatever your needs may be, that person is there for you so that you're safe and that you get your personal care needs met. Um, so that, that's typical. And again, the frequency depends on the condition of the person, the needs, and what other um, informal um, supports that are out there.
2: So if, let me just go to extremes here for a second. Um, so if somebody needed, you know, 24-7, you know, kind of care, the stroke, example, for mm-hmm. example, maybe there are no able family members, you know, to help there. Um, you know, create the well, you know, what does that look like? Does the, does the, the nurse's aide actually go in there and live? You know, are, the, are you rotating you know?
0: typically? There's shifts just like a, a hospital or a nursing home would be, so there'd be shifts of staff, typically eight hour shifts. And so they would rotate and they wouldn't typically would not leave until the next shift would go.
2: <laughs> One would hope. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. um,
2: I'm, I'm old, I'm old military police. Sometimes yeah. people just, just leave the shift. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, our, our aides are very, very dedicated. They're very well trained, uh, depending on what state you are. Some are licensed. I'm from New Hampshire. Our aides are licensed. Our, our state next door in um, Maine, they're certified. Um, so every state's a little bit different. They have very specific training. And then the organization, if you use in a, uh, an organization to get that staff, um, there's significant um, training and support and supervision. And those are the things that you want to look at when you're choosing whether or not you're going unskilled or skilled is what support systems um, that are in place, what backups do you have if one of the aides are out sick, those kind of things.
2: So tell us more, a little bit more about the process. I'm inviting somebody into my home. I just don't want anybody, you know, into my home. Is there sort of any... You know, any kind of interview process that, that, that the individual who needing needs the care goes through?
0: Yeah. So we have our, um, when we receive referral, our um, private duty, our program's called Life Care. Um, so our Life Care director will go into the home, do an interview, see what the needs are and set up that plan. And then the nurse in the program will go out and do the, what's called the admission, all of the health, ish, um, health history is taken, and do an introduction to the nurse's aide um, mm-hmm. that is gonna be caring for that person. Mm-hmm. If you have shifts of age, you may not meet all of your aides ahead of time, um, but you get a sense of who that might be. Right, and it depends right. on the company, um, on how that works.
2: Okay. Um, so I mean, do you ever, so sometimes, you know, particularly if, a, if the, you know, maybe somebody's got Alzheimer's or, or somebody, you know, they had the stroke, they don't feel they need the help, but their spouse is bringing the help in. I mean, I guess, can you tell us a little bit about some of maybe the challenges that yeah. your nurses face when they're, when they're coming into someone's home like that, where maybe the individual feels they don't need the care, but they really do.
0: The two scenarios. There's the scenario um, when the 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 person who needs the care oftentimes doesn't want to spend the money. That's one scenario and the and the children know that they're not safe. Um so the children will oftentimes help support that. Um so there's that little bit of conflict. So meetings, coordinating meetings with with the, the person that needs the care along with the person who's Thinks they need the care um, and um, trying to come up with a plan that works for them. Um, but one of the big scenarios is patients with Alzheimer's or dementia. And right. we do very specific training for Alzheimer's in many states, New Hampshire is one of them, and there's many around the country that all healthcare providers are required to have. St- several hours of Alzheimer's training, how do you manage those patients? So that's critical is if you have a loved one that has dementia, Alzheimer's, um, you want someone that's trained in that. And oftentimes it might take a few visits before that person gets used to them. So you might go in to a home and the spouse or the caregiver might say, you know, this is Julie and she's just here visiting and um, kind of slowly um, engage in that relationship so they get used to you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so that, that's sort of a process.
2: Right. Yeah. And so that's just something that it's pretty personal to me. I mean, I'll just yeah. share my mom has all, all early Alzheimer's and you know, it's, it's, it's hard on my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, providing the care and things like that. she has a long-term care policy, as I have (laughs) mentioned on this show. Joan will tell you time and time again. And I'm constantly talking to my dad about maybe you should invoke it, you know, at least on an intermittent basis, things like that. And he always says, but she won't let anybody in here. Um, And, you know, I I constantly, um, you know, talk to him about, you know, it's a process. So it's good to know that, you know, you can start this, you know, interactive process and, yeah. They know, you know, to see if it might, it might work.
0: And you can, you can try it slowly. Maybe someone comes in to just visit and socialize, be more like a companion and then maybe do some um, housework, a little bit of housework. So they get used to that person in there. And at some point they will allow that personal care to happen. And it's so important, um, particularly for um, um, someone with Alzheimer's dementia, their caregiver, caregiver burnout is um, really a big issue in our country in right. caring for those. I mean, we are living longer. There are more people with Alzheimer's, dementia, and chronic illness. And in order for a loved one to care for someone, you really have to take care of your yourself and, and get the help that you need.
2: Um, yeah, one would think that when I told him to allow him to go out and play golf, he would listen to me. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'd like to echo that.
3: I mean, I, I agree. And that was one of the big obstacles to people purchasing long-term care insurance. They would say, oh, I'm going to take care of, of, of my spouse. And, and I say, of course you are. But do you want some ancillary um, assistance? Because, you know, when you start caregiving, it's, it's cooking and it's, it's driving places and it's, um, it's doing the easy stuff. But as as care and I've been in that situation with my mom. As care progresses, it gets more and more difficult, and and we don't understand that going into caregiving. It's like caregiving going into the real heavy duty, and that you know twenty four seven gets old fast, particularly if you're talking about Alzheimer's.
2: Well, let me ask you, um, as the as the insurance provider, um, you know, once somebody is invoked, you know, is filed claim, if you will, and say they're involved in, um, you know, having some home health care and things like that. What involvement, you know, do you all still have um, with the, you check in with the individual insureds, you know, do you do any further coordination with the care providers? Um, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah,
3: absolutely. We're, we're um, We're in touch to make sure that, because there is a care coordinator involved, that there's a plan of care. So we just keep our fingers on what on what's going on. Particularly if you if you've got informal care, it gets a little bit more difficult then to to figure out really what's going on because we really do want what's best for the for the enrollee, and the and the family may may not know that. I mean, necessarily they may need some uh, professional assistance.
2: Right. Um, so, Julie, I, I want to go back to a little bit of something you mentioned about caregiver burnout and, and stress, um, particularly with, with the family members, um, you know, other than, you know, obviously, if you could, if you could bring somebody in, um, you know, I guess, what kind of recommendations do you provide, um, you know, to them, some of the family members that are, you know, sort of going through some of this, this burnout or stress and providing the care?
0: Well, the important thing is that you take care of yourself. So you make sure that you get to your own your own medical appointments. That you make sure that you get the support that you need. And there are many things within your communities um, that can help you through that.
2: Oh, that's you know that's certainly an interesting point. I mean, sometimes you're you're so you know all consumed with providing the care. Um, you know, you're not you're not taking care of yourself. Correct. Um, Kind of like the analogy on the airplane when the oxygen mask, you got to <laughs> put it on yourself before you, before you put it on the, the child next to you.
0: That is really a good analogy. Because right. Many people give up their doctor's appointments. They give up their social life and their emotional um, stability in, in, in depression can set in. So you ha- really have to reach out. And there are many opportunities in most communities for right. support.
2: You know, I, I say that a lot and as an employment lawyer, um, my background and just sort of dealing with people that are going through some difficult times in their life is like look if you don't take care of yourself, you know you're, you're making it hard for us to sort of you know take care of you or provide you the advice that you need. So that certainly is important. We're going to stop here for a word from our sponsor. When we return, we'll wrap up today's discussion with Joe Melanson from Fedpoint and Julia Reynolds from
1: Cornerstone VNA. Welcome back
2: to Fed Talk on the Federal News Network. We're entering our last segment of the show. We are talking about home health care in the federal government. Joe Melanson from FedPoint and Julia Reynolds from Cornerstone DNA. Julia, I wanted to, I guess, just come back to a little bit because I I just think it's something you know that that needs to be discussed a little bit more and more helpful information about some of the resources that may be out there when we talk about taking care of the caregiver Um, because often you know, they can feel all alone if it's an only child and things like that, you know, or, or the spouse and they you don't know, want to burden the children and things like that. What are some of the, the resources that they can reach out to out there?
0: So depending on where you live, one of your resources is, mm-hmm. um, your senior centers so you can reach out to your senior centers. you know what type of support groups are out there available mm-hmm. If your doctors your doctor's office if you report that you're caring for someone and you're having some stress they can refer you out to what might be in the community they usually um um have will have that information or if you have a local vna that's in your area like for us we um, provide what's called a caregiver cafe and that's for anyone that is caring for a loved one in their home they at we service several different communities in different spots we utilize libraries and the caregiver can come we have a room in case they need to bring their loved one when they have dementia um, or some um, disabilities. We have that space so that they can have that time with their peers that are also going through the same thing. They, they develop the agenda um, and they talk about things that help them get through it. And when you're talking to someone else that's going through it, you develop that relationship and um, you, you, you get to feel supported, like you're not alone. Other people do this. How can I do this and still stay a positive um, person? Um, because you, you don't want to get depressed. It can be depressing when you feel like you're all alone and you're in this by yourself. But there are so many supports out there. But definitely reach out to what your local community has to offer. And local v often provide that community support. We also provide um, regular education out in the community. And you can find that information typically on your different local um, community centers, uh, websites, libraries also provide a lot of um, information.
2: Sure. I want to, I want to, I don't want to sort of um, um, ignore kind of what's going on, you know, in the, in, in, you know, in the world today with the pandemic and things like that. And I think we are talking about healthcare stuff. So I do want to kind of bring that home a little bit and ask you what COVID-19 has kind of meant, um, in your world and in the home healthcare world and, and, you know, in caring in general, can you give us kind of a, like a big picture overview of that?
0: Uh, yes. So, um, the world stopped back in, in March, early March, and everyone, um, Took a step back and said, "What do we need to do to survive through this pandemic?" And we, as an organization, immediately were able to. Um, our office staff were able to work remotely. We minimized the social distance. We we ensured social distancing Um, and all of our staff, our field staff and um, nurses, nurses, aides, therapists, uh, social workers, all trained in infection control. And we took the CDC guidelines and implemented that and and, um, updated our education to the staff in having the personal um, protective equipment. We were fortunate in, in our state, in our area, we didn't have a large amount of COVID as other states did. So we had enough supplies to care for our patients in the home. Um, Some of the patients were a little bit nervous about having people come in and put things on hold a little bit. And that's when we were able to implement our telehealth units. Um, And we were able to increase from 40 units to 80 units, again, minimizing those visits, yet having daily contact with the nurse to ensure um, the safety and medical um, stability of our patients in the home. In the telehealth unit, the nurse can see the patient. It's all tablet driven, and the patient can see the nurse, and we're able to check vital signs, um, monitor uh, whether or not they're taking their medications, what their symptoms are, are they safe? Are they getting the help that they need? Um, Again, um, minimizing that exposure, but we're still doing visits on our most acute patients. Um, In our long-term care, Um, section. Um, Some of the caregivers were home more. So we were, we um, lessened some of the services um, and some of them uh, still needed those services because they didn't, they still didn't have the loved one. So we continued to care for those patients, but really stressing the importance of um, hand-washing, use of masks, infection control. um, And now what we're seeing is a lot of, um, People stopped going to the ER, stopped calling their doctor, stopped going to the hospital in delayed care, and now they're sick. So, very, very important that people go to the doctor, not to be afraid to go to a hospital because you need that care um, in services. And hospitals are opening back up with much more stringent infection control procedures. Um, So, it really is safe to get into the hospitals again.
2: Right. So, you I mean, I would just think, so you're dealing with, you know, most of the, you know, that community clientele are all kind of generally in the high risk category. Yes. You know, and they're very, you they're know, the most having people come in their home, you know, and the problem, you know, we're having exactly what you said, um, you know, is, is unfortunately they're not dying of COVID, but they're getting sick or dying of other disorders because they're not getting the fundamental, you know, care that they need. The uh, the
0: statistics out there are phenomenal about the increase in heart heart attacks, increase in strokes because people didn't f- listen to their body and their symptoms and they delayed care and they're dying. Nothing but other medical conditions. I
2: think this is pretty basic and you may have even said this, but I'm certain that before we send a, a nurse assistant into a home, they're tested. Um, you know, that they're do they so, get a COVID test or things like that? I, I would want no, that. To so game no, no.
0: So that would be an everyday test. The COVID test is only as good as the day is you get the test. Okay. Because you're in the community and you're out right. seeing patients. But our staff are diligent on um, checking their temperature every day. They have to go through a certain process. They actually they have... Um, they check their temperature and make sure they don't have any of those symptoms before they start that day. And they use our strict infection control protocols. None of our um, staff have gotten COVID-19 and none of our patients um, have gotten COVID-19 from our staff. We've received some patients from the hospital that we cared for, for COVID-19. Um, and we provided the proper equipment. As long as you have follow those guidelines, you should be fine. Um, so no testing yeah. the only time we would test early on, there were some staff that had some cold symptoms and we sent them off to be tested. They were quarantined and back early March, it took about two weeks to get the test done. They were all negative, they were just basic colds. Now the testing, um, if someone has any symptoms, um, it's two days um, to get the results back. So once they have symptoms, they're out and quarantined until the test comes back.
2: Sure. Yeah. So if anybody wants to get more information about Cornerstone VNA, you can go to their, their website, cornerstonevna.org. And I have their 800 number here, 800-691-1133, um, particularly if you're in the New England, New Hampshire um, area. New
0: Hampshire and Maine.
2: New Hampshire and Maine. Um, Joan, I want to come back to you um, quickly here um, and, and just talk a little bit about some of the the educational um, information that you all are, are putting out to the, to the federal community. Because a lot of people don't realize you're dual-hatted, right? You're providing this, this benefit, you know, to federal employees and their families, but you're also charged um, by OPM to educate the federal community as well.
3: You're absolutely right. Our mission is to provide education on the general topic of, of long-term care, not and and a piece of it is the insurance but insurance isn't for everybody we make that very clear what we always say our message our message is um it's important for you to develop a plan early before the the crisis happens not as after the crisis has happened because you can't think clearly at that time so it gets back to the um advanced directives that you mentioned julie it gets we 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 always talk about those things that's really our mission so our while well, we are out there and do a lot of on-site um, meetings and I've seen you a lot there, Tony, where we go to conferences in the summer, we do um, health fairs, we, we do financial literacy fairs, new employee onboarding, uh, a myriad of on-site activities. We also have a very strong digital um, uh, component and our website, which is newly designed with the, with the new product, is, is simpler to navigate we have a comprehensive webinar program where we have a, a couple that talk about, about the felt zip, don't get me wrong. And you can go to our website to get all this information, ltcfeds.com. But we also find it's really important to set long-term care within the, the broader context. Long-term care is a part of retirement planning. Long-term care and and caregiving. The stresses, all the types of things you were talking about, Julie. We do We do webinars. That pertain to those topics. So once people understand that they're looking at retirement planning um, in a broad way with this, with long-term care plan, not necessarily the insurance, but plan as a piece of it, then we find that people say, I get it. And so we have um, a very strong um, uh, website with, with all the educational tools, all the webinars that we're doing. We also have Um, a cost of care tool there to see what the cost for not only nursing home, but it's important to look at what is home. What are the home health care costs? Julie mentioned about $30 an hour in the New England area. It varies all over the country. Um, And we are working on a decision support tool that will help you find a plan. If you're interested in an insurance, one that meets your needs, because you can, you, we can tailor a plan that will meet any budget, any budget, but, you know, within your budget and the, and the um, support systems you have within your family. And that will come out this summer.
2: So, Joan, with all the, with all the, you know, inf- the digital information you have available, you know, all the, the webinars, you know, all that, that information that's available on your, on your website. Um, do, do you find that, that people still, you know, desire to call up and, and want to speak to a live person um, particularly since there are, you know, there are so many variables. I know we have that with my own company Fed's Protection that, you know, they love to be able to call up and they get a live person They can yeah. ask any question, right? They're not going in some phone bank. Um, they can, they can ask, you know, any question or, or, or scenario that they want. Um, I would think with so many variables with your product, that that would be an important component as well.
3: It's, it's interesting you say that Tony, because we are, We've got as as you say everything you need to know and more on our website tools and everything, but it is very important to um, at some point in the process have somebody you can call and our one eight hundred LTC Feds you can talk to somebody and they'll answer any questions you want. About forty percent of the, the apps that come in, they've talked the person has called at some point just to get have a question or ask something.
2: And you know, and, and just because I know I know your people very well, um, you know, I've been out in the community, you know, in the years, I can just tell people out there, you know, it, it's it's not like you know, it's not a sales call. You know, calling these people, I mean, they're
3: calling and ask about a competitor and say, what do you think about this? We'll answer any question. I mean, I've that
2: side by side at tables with you all, where somebody already has a long-term care product and they listen to them. And the advice was you should stick with what you have. Absolutely. Um, You know, they really, you know, that's why I mentioned that dual hat, because it is very important. You know, this is a federal charter as well for you out the federal employees out there is, is that you know, part of the mission, which is just as important as selling the insurance, I think is educating you on the need for it. And, that, and that's an important component. Of well, you're it.
3: right. A product can't be all things to all people. And we say, these things are important to you. This is an excellent product to look at. If this is important to you, we, we can't do that for you. And we suggest that you look in the private insurance market because there are plans there as well. So.
2: All right. That's all the time we have for the show today. Joan and Julie, thanks so much for spending some time with us. And thanks to all of you for listening. Just a reminder that Fed Talk is brought to you by the attorneys at Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Have a good weekend and please take care and be safe, everyone.